It's good to have that male role model, someone to model after, someone to be like. And a lot of times what we see in society, our children become the highest person that they see from their perspective, the highest role model they see from their perspective. So if you live in certain areas, sometimes to them, the the role model is the drug dealer. So that's what they that's what they aim for. That's what they're shooting for, because that's what they see. The the role model is the gang leader because that's the model that they see. That's what they are aiming for. So what we have to do as men is we have to cause them to aim a little bit higher. Amen. Aim a little bit higher. Be examples and models for them. Amen. Even those men who are not fathers. I I thank God for role models who are not fathers because somebody's watching you, too. Amen. And and when they see that model, that person, that 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 professional person, that person who is uh, pursued, it doesn't have to be education, but it may be a trade. But someone who knows how who is being responsible financially and taking care of themselves and their family and their children. We need more models like that as men. And I praise God for each of you who demonstrate that. Come on, give our fathers another hand. We praise God for you. We thank God for you. And uh, to the father, to the man who doesn't feel appreciated, I just want to speak to you. I want to let you know that your work is important, that God sees what you're doing when others don't, when others don't appreciate it. God knows what you are. And sometimes our service, I tell you, it's important that what we do, it's so important that what we do, we do it for God. Amen. Because when we do it for others, a lot of times we're disappointed. They may not recognize what we're doing. They may not see it. They may not give us any accolades. They may not call our name. But if you do perform your service and live your life as unto God, you know that God has a reward for you, not only on earth, but also in heaven. And I praise God for each of you. I also want to send a shout out. Thank God for seeing my mom here this morning. Amen. But I praise God for her. Thank God for my father who's not here. Father's Day, as I often share with you, is the toughest day for me to be here, for me to be in this place, uh, for me to be in this stage, to be on this podium. Because, of course, I miss my dad and to be in the place to stand in the place where he stood for so long and to be sharing is always the tough my toughest assignment each year. But I still praise God for my father, the late Larry Christman, Sr. Thank God for him. I appreciate his example. I appreciate what he poured into me. I appreciate his love and providing. And I'm going to talk a little bit about him this morning. And uh, it's in, they, they shared a, a very appropriate song. The song they shared this morning was Grateful. And our, our topic this morning is going to be A Grateful Son. And that's going to be our topic for this morning. We're going to be sharing from that perspective as I allow you to uh, be a spectator as I have a conversation with my father. I allow you to be spectators today as I have a, a conversation with my father thanking and giving appreciation for what he means to me. Relative to that, we're going to the word of the Lord in Luke chapter 15, and we'll be looking at verses 17 through 24. Uh, For many of us, a very familiar passage of scripture, but that's Luke chapter 15, and we'll be looking at verses 17 through 24. We'll read that into your hearing now. Luke chapter 15, verse 17 reads from the English Standard Version. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants 
have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Heavenly Father, Lord, touch us, open our hearts and minds, our spirit to be receptive to your word in this moment. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, I'm sharing from the thought, a grateful son. And when I say a grateful son, I want to under, each of you to understand our perspective in this parable. Because I want you to know that we are all that son. You're that son. I'm that son. All of us are this son in this parable of our Savior. He's talking about our relationship relative to him. And I today want to talk about not only our relationship relative to him, but also I want to give perspective to that as it relates to our relationship with God. There's a story of that there were some national, some naturalists who were out and they were looking around uh, the mountaintops there in Europe. And while they were out there, they went over a particular cliff and they saw that there was a very special, distinct flower flower that had yet to be discovered, to be named. And when they saw this flower, they found a young shepherd boy out there along the cliffs and the mountains who was tending to the sheep. They asked the young shepherd if they could put a rope under his arms and lower him down over the cliff so that he could pick up that specimen so that they could further identify that flower. The young boy looked at him and then they offered him some money. He looked at the coins that they were about to offer him, and he was really eager to take those coins. But even as he was confronted with those coins and he was about to take them, he got a little upset. He got a little disturbed. He gave them a funny look. And after a while, when he did so, the, the, the boy suddenly just left those naturalists and he ran to a little house up the hill. He grabbed a big surly man grabbed him by the hand and had him run down to this group of nationalists who was offering naturalists who were offering him money to go over, to be lowered over the cliff to pick this flower. After they, after he got to the, got to the edge of the cliff, he told the men, he said, this is my father. He said, as long as he holds the rope, you can lower me down over the cliff. So the father grabs the rope, lowers him down over the cliff and holds him. He picks the flower and he pulls him back up. I just want to say to my heavenly father and to my past natural father, I want to say thank you, dad, for holding the rope. One of the things that I want to say thank you from a grateful son is, dad, thank you for being a provider. In verse 12, the younger of the sons, he talks about asking of all of his inheritance. That means what happened for there to be an inheritance. 
That means that father had to work. He had to toil. He had to strive. He had to work on days that it was difficult. He had to go in and to make provisions for his family. And in providing for his family, he sacrificed of himself. And as fathers, we often have to do that. We have to sacrifice our own desires and our own wants for the betterment of our family. And I have to say that because we want to make sure that we're raising a generation that appreciates and understands the importance of sacrifice. Because now many people believe, especially this younger generation, that you ought to receive just because you were born, just because you exist that the world owes you something. Let me let me make that clear. The world does not owe you anything. You're going to have to go work. You're going to have to go earn even on days that it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when circumstances are not ideal. Because sometimes sometimes it seems like, especially the children that I deal with, it seems like they, they run into one obstacle and then they're ready to quit. They see one obstacle and say, well, this must not be for me. It must not have been intended for this to happen because I ran into one obstacle. I want to let you know that perseverance needs to be in your DNA. In fact, when God breathed his breath into you, I'm letting you know that it's already inside you. You need to exercise that which is already in you. Your ancestors sacrificed for so long to pave the way for you to have even what you have right now. We were celebrating Juneteenth on yesterday and and Juneteenth is just a culmination. When we celebrate, we're celebrating on the backs of our ancestors because of what they paid. In fact, it it made me a little upset when I heard that one of our state legislators, one of our legislators from Tennessee, who's representing us in Washington, said that he voted against recognizing Juneteenth as a national celebration because it cost too much. It costs too much. And I I just want to say to that representative that I want to let you explain to you what it costs to get to Juneteenth. That cost, that price was laid upon with whips upon the backs of our ancestors. That that cost was laid upon them throwing in in insufficient housing and, and scraps of food for hundreds of years. That that cost was them being snatched from their homeland and taken in ships where most of them died on the way here. That cost was was upon arrival of them being sold as chattel, being sold as property and not given any rights. That that cost not only extended into slavery, but even beyond that, where their rights were exterminated. They did not have any rights. They were not recognized as citizens. So when you say it costs too much, I want you to compare the cost of recognizing and celebrating Juneteenth to the cost of what it took to get to Juneteenth. It cost lives. It cost children who were being snatched away, families which were broken apart. It cost a mentality that has reverberated for even many years. Even the children of Israel had that mentality after they had been in slavery so long in Egypt that for even many years after that, They still said, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? We had it better in Egypt. That mentality may persist that I want to want you to understand that when you persist is going to cost you something. So just like that, this this father of this son who was asking to to who was asking of his inheritance, he was asking his father for something that cost him something. That father had to go through something to get that which he had. 
So then when he asked him of that, it, it reminds me of Timothy, 1 Timothy 5 and 8, which says, but if any provide not for his own family, especially for those in his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Because I told you, when you have children, that's an investment. I'll tell you right now, even if you have a child right now, I, I'll tell you about on average, you could, it's an estimated about almost a half million dollar investment from the time the child is conceived to the time that child gets out of college for schooling and for feeding and for visits to the doctor when you're pregnant, for, for, for visits to the doctor when the, when the child is actually born, when the, when the child has accidents, and for all of that, and for schooling, and for food, and, and all of these things. It's an estimated almost half a million dollars. And then even after they get out of school, they might still ask for a couple dollars. I'm just... They, they might. I'm just saying uh, that that's not what I'm saying is that's not included in the half million. But after after that time, they might ask for a couple dollars. What, what I'm saying here is that it, having a child is an investment. And some of you laughing because, you know, they ask for more than a couple dollars. It, it, it is an investment. And when you think of that investment, I, I was thinking of a story my dad used to tell. And I, don't, I don't know if he got it from the Cosby show, but he said a, a son that was in college used to write letters to his father. And, and he would write letters. And, and when he wrote the letters, it would, sometimes they were longer and then they would get shorter a, a little bit at a time. And then at the end of every letter, it'd say he'd ask for a little bit of money. And then after a while, it said the letters got shorter and shorter to the point where it almost got down to a text message where the son was writing to the father. He said, he said, father, he said, he said, no fun, no mind, no fun, your son. And his father wrote back to him. He said, too bad. So sad. Your dad. <laughs> That's just a, a little humorous story that we share. But we know that our fathers, they invest in us. And just like natural fathers, so does our heavenly father invest in us. He has a lot invested in you. Your father invests in you. In fact, Jesus was talking about, he said, even the wicked father, if his son asks for bread, he won't give him a stone. Or if he asks for fish, he won't give him a serpent. How much more will our heavenly father provide for us? He said that the lily, it neither toils nor spins. But it is more beautifully arrayed than even all of Solomon in his courts. That's how much our father, he, he much more our father will provide for us, his children. Well, so, so we talk about, our, I, 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 we talk about the, 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 his eyes are on the sparrow. We talk about we know his eyes are on us. If he cares for the birds of, of, of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more does our heavenly father think, consider and provide for us? He's invested in us and he provides for us. Somebody point to somebody and say he provides for you. He provides. And I said provides. I didn't say provided. That means whatever he's doing for you, he's not finished. He's continues to provide for you, even like this prodigal son, even when we've done wrong. Even when we're outside the faith. Praise God that he still considers us. Praise God that he still provides for us. Praise God that he still protects us and keeps us safe. Even sometimes we need to be protected from ourselves. Sometimes your worst enemy is you. 
Come on in here with me. Sometimes your worst enemy is you, the person who's responsible for the crumbling of most of your dreams and your expectation is not somebody else, but it's the person that looks back at you in the mirror every day. But praise God that he provides for us even in the middle of us not doing the right thing. We're talking about the son being provided for. And my, I can't help but think that my dad, he was like that, too. He always wanted to provide for his family. My father was a provider. If that meant having several jobs, even while he was going to school and working at midnight, and he, he, would, he would provide. My mom often tells me stories. She says, that the reason, son, I think that you might be a night owl is that even though my father was working and he was going to school, said even as I was, as I was young, I'd be in the crib. But we would, when he got off late at night, he would come to the crib and wake me up and play with me because he wanted to spend time with his son after spending all day providing for him. That, that, that's what I'm talking about. That's what a father does. A father sacrifices to provide for their son. And then a little later, maybe when God had blessed him a little bit more, it wasn't just visits to the crib, but sometimes he would visit me in Memphis when I was there for law school. And while we were there, oftentimes he would take, take us out to eat and he'd take me out to eat. And then at the end, he'd, he'd, he'd pull me to the side like, come here, son, like, it's a, like it was a secret. And he'd slide me a little, a little extra money few 20s and some hundreds and I know my mom my mom keeps up with things so I know mom knew but but he would he would act like it was a secret and he'd slide me a little extra money a few dollars that was my dad making sure that he provided for me and from a grateful son I want to say thank you dad for providing for me also from a grateful son I want to say to my father thank you for giving me some space Verse 13 says, and not many days after the younger son gathered all that he took together and took a journey to a far country and wasted his substance on riotous living. Ephesians 6 and 4 reads like this, say, ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Sometimes that means giving your child a little space to make their own errors, a little space to make their own mistakes. Because I want to let you understand, and most of you already know, I'm just phrasing something that you already have experience with, is that trouble is the best teacher. Sometimes we have to encounter trouble for ourselves so that we can learn, so that we can be taught. Sometimes as parents, you can't hold your child up on the tightrope. What you have to do is be the net that catches them when they fall. You can't keep them from falling. But sometimes you have to be the net that braces them so that their fall does not wind up lead to their destruction. And I thank God for fathers and a heavenly father that has done the same thing for me. See, the father, he didn't get into an argument with the son. He saw that the son's mind was made up and realized that experience was going to be the best teacher. Many times moms, often mothers, you know, mothers are usually the protective ones. That's my baby. I, 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 that, I carry that child for nine months. I'm going to make sure that child does not get hurt. That mother's trying to protect him. If you, if, you, if you do something wrong to a child, the first person coming for you is that mother. We live in Tennessee, so if you ever go up to the Smoky Mountains and you see a little bear, you don't have to worry about the little cub. What you need to worry about is if the mama's around. Because if the mama thinks you're trying to hurt her cub, baby, you are in some trouble. Yeah. 
because mothers are going to protect their children. And sometimes it becomes the role of the father to tell the mother to give the child just a little bit of space. Sometimes you're going to have to let them do something a little. Give them a little space. Give them a little room to learn on their own. Give them a little space, even though what they're trying to do, if they're wanting to play sports, sometimes mother's like, no, nah, I don't want to play sports. They're going to get hurt. That's my baby. I don't want them to come home with a scraped knee. We're not going to the emergency room today. Not today. Sometimes it takes the father to come along and say, hold on, baby, you got you to let them learn. You got to let them play. You got to let them do. You got to let them experience life. And I'm saying, thank God for a father that gave me some space. I remember several years ago, and we have to understand our heavenly father does the same thing for us. Our father does not force us to love him. But he taught us and gives us examples of what love is. For God so loved the world that he forced the world to love him back. That's not what the word says. God so loved the world that he gave, that he demonstrated to us what love was. And also, not only in him giving his son, but also in him accepting us back when we make mistakes. God so John, first uh, we talk about John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. But first John 1 and 9 is just as important to being our heavenly father. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's the, the God giving us space to learn how to love. And accepting us even when we make errors, accepting us even when we make mistakes. And I want to talk to a father right now. I want to tell you that your children, they're going to make errors. They're going to make mistakes. But if nobody else in this world loves them, you got to show them that you love them. Don't ever push your children away. Allow them to fall. But be there to let them know that if nobody else is there for you, I'm here for you. If nobody else will provide for you, I'll provide. And if nothing else that this this story teaches us of the prodigal son, the father is saying, no matter what you did and how many mistakes you made. You can always come back home as fathers to show the love that God showed towards us is not only in showing us how to give to demonstrate what love is, but also in that we forgive. For the word says we forget we for are forgiven even as much as we forgive. We have to teach our children what love is not only in giving, but also in forgiving. When thinking of that, I I remember as a teenager, I think my mom remembers the story. I believe the name of the, the restaurant was Gigi's there in Jackson, Tennessee. We were there during what was then UJAC, which is our youth meeting, which we now call AIM. And while we were there dining and I I looked and sometimes, you know, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. They said, oh, they got a stack of four pancakes. I said, yeah, I want that. I want a stack of four pancakes. But dad said, son, you're not going to be able to eat that. So, yeah, dad, I can eat that. So I ordered the four pancakes and then I get about halfway through. Then it hits me (laughs) that I'm not going to hardly be able to finish. My father looked at me because he was looking at me. You know what? I kept trying. <laughs> I kept trying my best to eat those four pancakes. But he just looked at me. He didn't even say, I told you so. But the look in his eye, let him know. It's like, let me know. It's like, I let you make that mistake. But I knew in advance that you wouldn't be able to do it. And for that, from a grateful son, I want to say to my father, thank you for giving me some space. 
The next thing I want to talk about is that thank from a grateful son, dad, thank you for loving me like only a man can love. Verse 20 says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. For many of us know, knowing that loving from a man sometimes can be a little awkward. Sometimes it's almost as if we don't know how to show love or we're not as free in showing love as women show love. Oh, your mom, she going she going to hug you and she going to kiss you. And that's my baby. And you, 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 nut, nut, junior, boo, boo and all that. And honey and sweetie, that, 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 that's that. That's what mom's going to do because mom don't care. She's going to let you know that she loves you. She's going to express her love and just let it flow out and let it pour out like that. Fathers and men, we we seem to love in a bit of a different way. It can be awkward. It's, uh, sometimes dad will give you a half handshake and a half hug. And, or he'll cough and look to the side and stumble with his words and wind up patting you on your back or or giving you a playful punch in the arm. Or And though he's not calling you sweetie and, and slobbing you down with kisses. It means I love you just as much as mom's overbearing public displays of affection that almost embarrass you. That's why so many boys I feel like are confused today because no one showed them how to love like a man. Often fathers were absent or, or, or failed to show their sons what love is or even showed to demonstrate or tried to push through to show that they love them. Showing love like a man, sometimes showing a boy how to have compassion, how to be respectful of women, how how to love and how to laugh. Love is not taking all you can get from a woman, living off of another person, controlling her and ruining her confidence. We many of the reasons why we have young boys that treat women poorly is because they did not have a father that taught them how to love. I'm going to say that again. Many, many times we have young boys who've grown up to be men now. or They call themselves men and they do not know how to treat women because they did not have a father that taught them how to respect, love and treat and be compassionate towards a woman. They had no examples. But to show love, again, that's how God does. God showed us what love is by giving. I say this all the time and I mean it. You, you can you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And that's what God told us. I, I, not just my father, not, not just my earthly father, but my heavenly father taught me that to show love is also to give. We give and, and to love your wife. This, this is a high standard to love your wife. As Christ loved the church and gave his life for the church. Even dad slipping me money sometimes and saying, here you go, was a greater demonstration of love than tackling with me with hugs and drowning me with kisses. He was showing me what love is through giving, through showing compassion, through giving of yourself and showing you how to establish relationships with other people. Learn how to treat other people. Some point people say that the measure of a man is how you treat people that you do not need. How do you treat people that cannot give you anything? How do you treat people who cannot return what you give unto them? It sometimes it takes a man, a father to, to instill in you the importance of learning how to treat every single human being on earth, not just the people that you need. 
not just in a transactional fashion. I, I don't treat you good because you treat me good. I treat you good because that's what's right. So that means even if you treat me poorly, I still treat you well. That's what Jesus was saying when he's talking about how, how we need to love. He said he's a prayer for them. Despitefully use you love them that hate you. That's difficult. That's hard. And sometimes it takes the strength and the power to have that type of relationship with humanity, with our fellow man. Sometimes that means even today's term, that means loving people who don't think like you think. You still need to love. I don't care how bad an argument you want to get with them on social media. You still need to love. I don't care who you vote, who they voted for. You need to love. Doesn't matter if their values line up with your values. You still need to love them. Some point at somebody and say, you still need to love them. I'll tell you what, my mom will often show what love is. But my dad and my heavenly father taught me how to love like a man. And from a grateful son, I want to say thank you, dad, for teaching me how to love like a man. This is my final one and I'm finished. One from a grateful son, I want to say, Dad, thank you for forgiving me. And the son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And to those who don't understand, if you're a man, if you're a son, one of the things that you seek most in your life is the approval of your father. Some many other things that you desire in life, you desire to be successful generally, what this world might consider success. For those who are raised as Christians, you, you, you desire to have a life with Christ. You desire to be considered a good Christian, but as a man, one of the things that you desire most in life is knowing that you have the approval of your father. Dads are, are not always the biggest talker, but they show how they feel by doing. This dad didn't have a big, long conversation with his son when he came home. He didn't have a long conversation with the prodigal son. What he did say to him, he said, bring forth the robe. He said, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. When he says that, he's not talking to the son. He's talking to the servants. He's saying, I'm going to show I forgive you and that I love you, not by what I say, but by what I do. Now, look at this. Even when he makes this statement, he's not talking to his son. He says to them, he says, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is fine. At that point, he's talking to everybody else. He's not talking to his son. He's saying, son, I'm showing that I love you and that I forgive you, not by what I say, but by what I do. And when you're talking about loving like a man, sometimes, sons, for those of you who wonder if you have the approval of your father, it's not him showing love always by what he says, but it's often by what he does. Don't watch his mouth. Watch his hands. Because his hands will show you how much he loves you. When you don't always get the, 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 the verbal accolades, don't worry about what he says with his mouth. Watch what he does with his hands. 
because this the father, the prodigal son is not saying it's not in the, in the amount of words that I'm about to say. But it's in what I do that shows you that I approve of you, that shows that I love you, that shows that I forgive you. One thing the father didn't do, he didn't say, where you been? He didn't say, what have you done? He didn't say, where is my money? Come on now, because let's be real, because that's what some of us would say. I don't know where you been. I don't know what you did with all that money I gave you. That's not what he did. But instead of talking, he showed how much he loved him. He appreciated him and forgave him by what he did. He simply held him. Fathers, hold your children. Hold your sons. Hold your daughters. Let them know how much you love them. Let them know how much you appreciate him. And that's something that our heavenly father, he did for me. I, and my earthly father did the same. When I was going away, when I was traveling, anytime I came home, there was always room for me. Never in my life did I ever feel like that I couldn't go back home. And I want to let somebody else know that that's how our Heavenly Father thinks of us. As I said in the story of the prodigal son, we're not the father. Sometimes we get on our high horse in these parables and think that we're the person that always did right. <laughs> Remember with, with, with Jose and the prostitute, we were looking at that and we're thinking, oh, that prostitute is awful. And then I, I will remind you that in the story, we're the prostitute. <laughs> we're not the one who's done right. We're not the one who's been wrong. But God is talking about us being the one who's gone astray. In this story of the prodigal son, we're the son. We're the one who's gone astray. We're the ones who didn't listen. We're the ones who took resources and wasted them in riotous living. But no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how you may have misused your life, no matter how you may have misused your talents, no matter how many times you have buried your gifts. You remember the one with the talents that he went and buried his his talent? Some of us, we think we're the one with the five talents. No, baby, you're the one with the one. Get off your high horse. That's what horse. That's who, who God is talking to. He's talking to us as the son. So that means we thought at some point that we had it all figured out. We said, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to try to do that the best that I know how. But despite having our own mind and going our own way and getting in our own trouble, so we need to stop blaming the devil for so many things because he does not have the authority and power that we give him. But it's because we stepped in it ourselves. Somebody pointed somebody and said, you stepped in it by yourself. But despite that, you stepped in it by yourself. Just like the prodigal son's father was waiting on him. So is our father, our heavenly father. He's waiting on us. Everyone standing on your feet. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise for his word. I praise God and for. I'll say from a grateful son. For always forgiving me. Thank you, Dad. For always, no matter what I did. For leaving room for me and for forgiving me. And I praise God that we all stand in that space right now. We stand in a space that no matter where you've been or where you've done, God can forgive you no matter where you are. For those who are watching virtually, no matter where you are, God can forgive you. 
No matter what you've done, he can forgive you. No matter where your mindset is right now, God, he's open, his arms are open to forgive you. I want to remind you that the greatest trick of the devil is not to tell us that we don't need God, but to tell us that we have time. That we have time to get it together. And one of the most beautiful points of the story, it's almost like the son. And, and, and I think this perfectly represents our, our relationship with God. It says the son was in the pigsty and was about to eat of the husk, the corn husk that the, the pig did eat. Some of the most beautiful words in scripture, they're so symbolic and they're so applicable today, is that the son, when he re- at that moment... It says he came to himself. It's almost as if he was saying that all the things that I've been doing are like an out of body experience. It's almost I've been separated. And almost when when we're doing wrong, it's almost that same thing. It's as if our spirit, our spirit man that God has poured on the inside of us. It's almost separated and divorced from our bodies. It's there, but it's. It's almost like you, you see those stories where they have a person has multiple personalities and one is dormant. It's always hiding. And it seems like our spirit, man, is so divorced from our body. It's like that dormant personality that we don't allow to get out. And then some stories you see on, on television, it's interesting. It seems, seems like it shows a spirit that comes out of a body and then it looks back at the body. And some of us, if, if you be real with it, when we do wrong, that's kind of how it feels. It's like I know what I should be doing. I know where I should be at. But it's almost like I'm looking at myself doing wrong. Almost like an out of body experience. But what this man was saying is when I came. When my spirit and my flesh came together and I recognized that my spirit man needed to be in charge. When I came to myself. He said, I recognize that I'd rather be a servant in my father's house. I'd rather be a servant in my father's house than to try and do this all by myself and act like I have it all figured out. And I want to remind us that some of us, we've been there and some of us are continuously engaged in that behavior where we do things all by ourselves and forget that we need to consult with God. All heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If, you, if you'll pray this prayer with me, uh, if you'll just listen as I pray over you. Lord, Heavenly Father, touch us right now. Even in our moments of separation and, 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 and disagreement, Lord, even when we've gone astray, if in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, you are yet that Heavenly Father that looks over us. You are that father that perpetually waits at the end of the road and with your arms open wide waiting for us. To come back home. Lord, don't allow our shame to prevent us from coming back home. Lord, don't allow the devil to disillusion us from thinking, from from realizing how much you loved us. And Lord, even that you loved us first. Reminding us to come back home. Lord, don't allow the preponderance of the things that we have done. Lord, so, so so be so large in our minds, Lord, that we fail to recognize that all we have to do. It's just come back home. 
Lord, keep our hearts and our minds clear. Lord, keep our avenue and our pathway to you clear. Lord, as David said, Lord, never take your divorce, your Holy Spirit from us, Lord. Let us be reminded no matter what we've done that we can always, always, always come back home. And with that, I want everyone to lift their hands and pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. And I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for all of my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ was crucified. He died and was buried but rose again with all power in his hand. And today I claim him as my savior and my Lord. Jesus, come into my heart and I'll make you my savior and my Lord. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Come on and give God some praise. If you said that prayer by faith, you said it with meaning and commitment in your heart, then I declare today that you are saved. For those who are watching us virtually, if you'd like to be connected to our church, you can text Bright Temple to 66866 and become a virtual part of our church. We praise God for you being with us on this morning, and we pray that God's favor be upon you until I shall see you again. God bless you. pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line and in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.